What is up? What is going on, everybody? This week, we absolutely do not have a problem because we are talking Apollo 13, and we'll do it on the other side of the song. Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of The Threequel. As always, I am one of your three co-hosts, Ethan Klein, here with me, Mike Duranik, and a seemingly confused Brad Miller. Gentlemen, how are we doing this <laughs> evening? That that look you saw was because I your cold open went way over my head for a second. I was like, what do you mean we don't have a problem? And then I thought about it. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, if then the, the line registered finally. And I was like, OK, now now I'm tracking with you. So I'm less confused now. Other than that, I'm uh, I'm doing just fine. Uh, I am great, Ethan. I am very excited to talk Apollo 13 with you guys. Uh, as you mentioned last uh, episode, this is my pick for the month of June. And I do have to say, no spoiler alert uh, necessary. I was very pleased with my decision on this one, uh, and I'm excited to hear what you guys uh, had to say. Well, I I mean, no spoiler alert again, but this is what happens when Ron Howard and Tom Hanks actually, you know, put some effort in and, and make a movie they should be making. Uh, I'll, I'll put it at that. We, we, we got to go down the road of Da Vinci Code. Now we're here for Apollo 13. But let's not get too far into it before I ask you guys the question I always do. Uh, let's go back to 1995, uh, the year of my birth. I wonder how close this was uh, to being down to the day as old as I am. I'll try to find that. But for you guys, did you see this in theaters in 1995? Did you catch it later? What was your first viewing experience? And then what thoughts did you bring in to this rewatch uh, for Apollo 13? I can honestly say I have zero, absolute zero recollection of the first time I saw this film. So I could not give you a, an exact answer. Um, I feel like I'd remember seeing it in theaters, but uh, I, so I must not have. But yeah, I really have no idea the first time I saw it. I am fairly certain I did not see it in theaters, but I would have seen it very quickly after it came out on video. Um, it was a, a film that my parents, my mother in particular, really liked. Uh, listened to the soundtrack, uh, many a uh, many a, a long car ride um, in the old minivan, and I watched this. I mean, really, a lot of times, uh, probably from like late '95 through to the year 2000. Um, and then tapered it from there, but brought into this rewatch just a, a real appreciation for it, actually because of the last time that I remember seeing it, which was at a, a leadership retreat that I was at, um, using this movie to talk about leadership approaches and effective leadership styles, um, which I had enjoyed this movie before, but that really opened my eyes to um, how great I think this movie is. And so I, I came into this very excited to watch it again. Well, this movie uh, came out when I was a week old, uh, for the record, so I did not see it in theaters. Um, what I brought into this rewatch, before I completely answer that question, is a lot of hatred, gentlemen. I despised this movie. Uh, I had no interest in rewatching this movie whatsoever. And that hatred stems from the first time I saw this, the only time I saw this before this rewatch, was my sophomore year of high school. 
our algebra teacher shows this movie every year. And of course, as a kid in school, teacher shows a movie, you're excited. Mm. No, 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 no. Mrs. Getz, the devil that she was, hope she's not listening. Sure, she's not. Uh, would pair this movie with, I shit you not, a 40 page packet filled with a slew of different mathematical problems that she associated with this movie. So it was not a fun viewing experience. It was watching 30 seconds of a movie, pausing it, doing a question, doing some math that she put on there, which I was not a fan of. And it took like three weeks to watch this movie. So I hated this movie. I had no desire to watch this movie again, Mike, but I did. And I even braved Tubi for it. I think that was an episode Brad and I did together. We talked about the pitfalls of that shit awful streaming service, but I did it. And I'm very, very, very glad that I did. Um, I don't think this one, I can't ask you guys any more questions because I, I, I have a feeling, at least between Mike and I, Brad, you haven't, you've had a poker face so far, but it, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, waxing poetics. So let's just hop into the Rotten Tomatoes game. Mike, you're back in your defending champion seat. So let's play the game. Let's see if you can once again cheat and just say the the number that it is, and then we'll give Brad an opportunity to to lose gracefully. I love this game because I want so badly to lose, <laughs> but then I'm just going to hear crap about how I throw it. I really, truly cannot win in this situation. This movie was very well received at the time, as I recall it. It has held up well through the years. I'm going to put it in the 90s. I'm going to go right with the year that it was released, which was 1995. We're going with a 95. Brad, you can you can go over, you can go under, uh, and either way, I know you'll give me crap for it. <laughs> wow. Um, I expected you to go just a smidge lower than that, and I was going to go higher, um, but I don't know if I'm willing to give it a 96. That's, that's up there. Um, I can't imagine that too many people walked away saying they didn't like it. Uh, you know, it's got Tom Hanks, but I, I've got to play the odds and I'm going to go uh, one lower. You said 95, right? So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with 94. Mike is learning. Uh, he, he's finding his ways. I'm going to go with 95 just because it's the year it came out. Uh, the sitting score is 96. <laughs> it's 96. It is 96. Um, so, so one more, See, then... that's the other thing. He didn't want to make it look obvious, but he knew right. I wouldn't be brave enough to pick 96. Exactly. exactly. Well, at this point, I think that we can clearly say this is a you problem, Brad, because my psychological warfare is winning so well. <laughs> uh, all right. So it is a 96 audience score of an 87, um, which is still a fantastic score, but I mean, 9% is quite a discrepancy and, and still a curious one. But let's talk about that then, guys. Is Rotten Tomatoes correct? Is this a 95%? Um, and then coupled with that, uh, where do you guys – or 96%? That that disconnect there where the audience did not seem to love it as much. They weren't, uh, suffice to say, over the moon as the critics were. Boo. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, Mike. Why don't you start this one? I mean, I, I think obviously based off of how close it, it was to my guess, I think that the critics are spot on here. So I won't belabor that point. What I will say is to your second question about the, the gap between the critics and the audience score. 
Um, you probably have to at least be somewhat of a student, if not a student, someone who at least appreciates history to really get into this movie because it does a good job of being a period piece and uh, at such a kind of iconic time in the post-World War II era uh, and history. And when it came out in 95, um, you know, you're, you're talking back, you know, what, uh, 25 years, roughly, give or take, to when the events of this happened. So now you're, you're talking 50 years uh, from there. So I do think that maybe that is a reason for why you see that uh, score coming down a little bit, because you're going to have maybe a greater cross section of your run of the mill audience that is not uh, someone who appreciates history. And I think critics generally tend to. Um, and, and we see that with other movies that I'm not as fond of, but because they are period pieces, uh, they get high scores because they're they're playing characters from the past. Yeah, I, I'm kind of right in line with you. I, I'm, I'm more. I, I guess I'm sorry. Let me, let me take a step back. I'm more in line with the the thoughts that you're sharing. My score is more in line with the audience score. Um, I think that I would be in the high 80s. Um, don't love the movie, um, but also think it's very good. Um, big Tom Hanks fan, so that that does a lot for me. I think the casting was was really good. Um, you know, we had the extreme in this one. Um, we have, uh, Kevin Bacon, um, you know, like it just good, good acting, uh, Gary Sinise, fantastic in his role, like overall, just very good casting. I think in fairness, uh, when I rewatched this and I hadn't seen it in a number of years, I was a little bit tired and I, I struggled to keep my eyes open. It wasn't for, you know, lack of an entertaining movie, but I also know the outcome, you know, what's going to happen. You have a pretty good idea of, of how it's going to play out. So there aren't any real big swerves or, um, surprises. So, you know, I, I was a little tired when I watched it, but, uh, like I said, enjoyed it. And I think Mike, you're right. Like it, because it has a place in history, it's always going to mean something. You know, I still haven't watched Miracle. You guys did that one without me. And it, it, to me, it's similar. Like, even if I don't like the movie Miracle, I'm going to rate it higher simply because it, it, it describes and shows and talks about, you know, this really cool piece of American history um, in a hockey game. So I think this is very similar. Um, and uh, yeah, overall solid um but not going to be one that's on the uh the rewatch list year after year i'm glad you mentioned miracle and i mean for me my answer definitively is rotten tomatoes is correct i think this is a a 96 percent. this is way up there i think you know i i don't have a negative thing to say about the movie i don't have a nitpick i don't have anything that knocks it down for me i think just pure quality now rewatchable am i gonna watch this as often as i watch other things probably not but quality of filmmaking this is up there is i think some of the best we've reviewed uh on this podcast but i think the interesting thing about miracle and what makes this so great we talked about it on that episode mike that miracle in and of itself is a fine movie that has a freaking amazing final 45 minutes like what they needed to do, they did. They put together a great hockey game at the end, 
and it's freaking awesome and it makes that movie awesome because how awesome that is this we know what happens something goes wrong they survive cool but the lead up to it i loved watching them train i loved seeing the response to gary sinise potentially being sick and making the change and then the first thing that goes wrong and the next thing that goes wrong and the people on the ground i was so invested in all the guys back in Houston, you know, you've got the group that's trying to figure out the electronics with Gary Sinise. And you've got the group that's trying to, you know, fit the square peg in the round hole. All that, Like they just kept adding, like, here's another thing that actually happened. And it's crazy that this happened and these people survived. And here's how we're going to show it. And I was so fascinated just to see, because again, hated every second of this movie. The first time I saw it back all those years ago, I didn't exactly remember what the solution was. I knew there would be a solution, but I didn't know what it was. And the way that they put that together just kept me so engaged for what this is. A, this is a two, two hour, 20 minute movie, right? I mean, this is, this is pushing it. And I was able to stay completely locked in because of the mastery of filmmaking that Ron Howard did. Uh, and I'll be honest, I forgot Ed Harris was in this. I mean, it was probably about a year ago that Mike and I swooned over Ed Harris in still his greatest role um, in the rock, but man, he can bring it. And it's awesome to see him just be that, that calming force in that storm back on the ground. I, I thought he was great. I think it is great. And I think they're right. So I will ask, I, I can't remember. I know we spent a lot of time not speaking fondly of the Da Vinci code. And I don't know if I ask you guys this question. Tom Hanks is the leading man of this movie through and through. Um, where does this sit for you guys? And I get like, I mean, if you were just going to pick one Tom Hanks movie, where are you going to go? Where does this rank? Kind of all that stuff, uh, for him. Cause it, I mean, it's just, it's fascinating the career that he has, um, and being, you know, America's dad in, in such a, a wide variety of ways. Um, I haven't had any time to like, you know, really study that, but I would guess that I could probably come up with 10 Tom Hanks movies that I enjoy more than this one. I think, um, you know, for me, it's not extremely rewatchable and a lot of his movies are, and a lot of his movies are just fun and entertaining. And, um, you know, then you've got some good ones that you've seen multiple times, like Castaway things like that. So I would say it's probably not in my top 10, but as you guys talk, I'm going to take a look here at the, at his database and see how accurate that statement is. I mean, I think for me, it's in my top 10, but I mean, let's just look at this, this run. I'm not going to name everything he did, but let's start in 93 and I'm just going to name these off while Brad is looking at them, right? Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Saving Private Ryan, and then Castaway. And then in between there, he had roles, you know, the You've Got Mail, which is well-known, uh, The Green Mile, and then, oh, he just did two Toy Story movies for The Voice through there. I mean, what a killer run that is from 93 to 2000. And he was well-known and well-established before that, and obviously has done a lot since then. Um so, yeah, I, you know, is this his peak? Probably not, but it's right in the middle of his peak. You know, when I think of Tom Hanks, I think of, of Forrest Gump and Saving Private Ryan. And so this is right in that stretch there. Um, an incredible performer. 
Well, and he's about to get another Academy Award nomination to his credit. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen the previews for it, but I just saw Elvis this past weekend. And I don't know if he's going to win. I mean, it's July, but he's going to have another nomination because he's freaking amazing and uh, does everything so well. This is the first time. I don't know if you guys could name something else. Uh, I don't ever think of him as a bad guy. I don't know if he's ever played a bad guy. Let me tell you something. He also has the ability to be a bad guy. Uh, and that movie, Elvis is great. Elvis is going to get all the nominations that it could possibly ask for. He's amazing in it. That's a different conversation for a different day. Uh, maybe God willing in 2027, if we're doing this podcast, uh, we can do that. Um, but he's just fantastic. Brad, I don't know if you have kind of where you're going, but I guess I, I'll just I'll reframe it this way. You can only watch one Tom Hanks movie. You can only have one Tom Hanks movie to watch for the rest of your life. What one Tom Hanks movie are you picking? Oh, man. Um, Well, before I answer that, uh, I want to say, like, Mike, you mentioned you started in 93. um, But even, I mean, earlier that year and, and prior, like, You've got Sleepless in Seattle, A League of Their Own. You've got, you know, I really like The Burbs, Big, Dragnet, Money Pit. Like, his early career with those, you know, less dramatic movies, some of them comedies, um, just just fantastic, fantastic career um, spanning, you know, I don't know how many, like, what are we in, his fourth decade now of acting, third or fourth? Like, yeah. Um, and really doesn't have any stretches of, uh, uh, you know, where he just mailed it in. Like he, he's been bringing it for decades. Um, I think to answer that question, I would say probably Forrest Gump. Um, but man, yeah, he's got some good ones to choose from. I mean, even we didn't even mention like the terminal or catch me if you can, or, you know, Captain Phillips, like, gosh, those are just all, just good movies. Um, I have not seen, um, I did not get to see his portrayal of, uh, Mr. Rogers. So I, you know, I can't really speak to that one, but I did watch the one that came out earlier this year. Uh, the Finch movie, that was, that was pretty entertaining. Um, it was, uh, you know, similar to Castaway in a lot of ways, but, uh, uh, you know, and it just a different setting for him, but, yeah, I would I would say probably Forrest Gump without really trying to dissect it. Mike, what would your pick be? One Tom Hanks movie that you can watch. That's it's a tough one. Um my gut and I would probably go with Forrest Gump as well, but I will tell you that Honestly, it would be a coin toss with this one. Um okay. this movie came in quite high on my list. Uh, there was a 10 spot range that I was debating and I finally just dropped it right in the middle of it. Um, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's exceptionally well done. The dialogue in it is great. And as we'll talk about, I do have some favorite lines this week. Um, there are just some like fist pumping lines in this that, that get me pumped up. Um, I do love all the different casting decisions. Um, so this one would be right there with Forrest Gump. I think I would give the edge to Forrest Gump, but it is very close. I'd have a coin toss too, and Forrest Gump was where I'd probably lean more times than not. But my other one would be Road to Perdition. 
Um, I don't know if you guys have even seen that. I know I've mentioned it a couple times. Man, that that movie uh, just has always worked for me. I love it to death, and it, it's up there for me. I, but I it probably end up being a clean, a clean sweep um, where I'd go Forrest Gump. 60 40 over that but uh let's keep going guys there's so many people in this movie and a lot of them we've talked about before some of them pretty recently so i'll just ask this then and maybe we'll just go right back to tom hanks it's a quick conversation who wins this movie for you who's the mvp the performance that just like just head and shoulders above everybody else hmm trying not to give you dead air and trying to answer your question but uh I don't know that there was anybody that was head and shoulders. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the two that stood out the most to me are probably Hanks and Sinise. Um, but like Bacon and Ed, Ed Harris and, you know, um, what's the guy's name that plays uh, in Twister, the extreme? Um, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton, I mean, he's fine in this too. Much, much better than his acting in Twister. But, um, yeah, I, I think for me, just because I don't want to say go obvious and say Tom Hanks, I'll go with Gary Sinise. And because I don't want to go obvious and say Tom Hanks, for me, um, the the obvious answer uh, beyond that is Ed Harris. I think that Ed Harris wins the movie, um, but it's a it's a two person race for it between those two. But again, like you said, Brad, um, Sinise phenomenal bacon did great and even Paxton did what he was supposed to do right yeah my I mean I mentioned it already but mine is Ed Harris I just love every second that he's in this movie I was curious if you guys would go a different way um let's keep it rolling guys let's do favorite scene Mike I don't know if you just want to say like from the time you hit play to when you rewound it at the end and hit play again or like where you're going to go. But fa- favorite scene from Apollo 13, guys. How did you know that I uh, watched this on VHS, Ethan? Um, <laughs> yeah. I had to go I had to go old, old school with it. Brad, do you have a favorite scene right off the top of your mind? Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's not anything, I guess, that that really stood out to me to say like this. This is my favorite scene. I think that. uh um, you know, just the, the energy of, uh, what's going to happen. Are they going to get through the, the atmosphere? Are they going to have enough, um, energy to make it back enough power, you know? And I think just seeing the, um, them get through that and then you see the, you know, the parachute and them in the water and being saved. Like, I, I think I just have to go with that because it's, you know, it's the climax it's, it's entertaining and, you know, it's, it's, it's heartwarming and, and, gets you a little bit choked up when you see those families celebrating that they get to see those guys again. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to go with the ending. As you were talking about that, I could hear the music during that re-entry playing in the back of my mind. And, and again, I just want to point out just a phenomenal soundtrack. Um, the, the music that they placed with this movie, um, both the um, orchestra music, but as well as the rock selections that they picked, uh, really well done. For me in this, I'm going to highlight two scenes that I think were were particularly great with Hanks because when I go for my favorite line, I'm going to go the other direction and go with an Ed Harris line. 
the first is, I, I think, the scene when they are meeting with Gary Sinise and they are telling him that he's not going to go on the plane or on the, the flight, right, on, on the Apollo mission. And particularly just the way that they play the tension there. Um, and we know as the viewers that Tom Hanks was not in favor of the decision to bench Sinise's character. He made that very clear. But yet when Sinise turns to him and says like, hey, this isn't your fault. Um, Tom Hanks looks right at him. Jim Lovell looks right at him and says, it was my call. Right. He accepts responsibility for it. It's his mission. He's the leader of the mission. It's my call. He didn't agree with it. But once the decision was made, he owned it 100 uh, percent. So that is one of the scenes. And then the other one that always gives me goosebumps is, you know, they've gone through all this. They've had to make all their adjustments. They've triaged everything. And then there's that moment they've been fighting. And then Tom Hanks just says, what are your intentions, gentlemen? Right. Because I, I intend to go home. And I just think there's such power in that scene as they're sitting there because they have to let go of the dream. Right. They all did this not to go fly around the moon, but to go land on the moon. And in that moment, they have to to be able to work together to make it home alive. They have to be at peace with immediately letting go of the intent of the mission. And so what is their intent? Their intent shifted. And I think that those are two powerful scenes that uh, demonstrate, you know, Hank's ability in that role. Uh, the ones I'd highlight, Brett, I mean, you kind of mentioned it earlier, Brad, already, but um, watching Gary Sinise run through the scenarios in the simulator, um, especially because of where he comes from, you know, he unplugs his phone, has a couple beers. He's this is like the low point of his life and his ability to just like, oh, my gosh, my guys need me. I got to go. And they tried. Uh, I think they were going to like turn all the lights on. And he was like, nope, give me what they have. I'll do this in the dark. I don't care. I have to do this the exact way that they're doing this or it's not going to be right. Uh, and I like that. And then the other one, which I might actually lean to, is just one of the discussions when they bring everyone together uh, to talk about, you know, this is where the ship is going to run out of fuel. We got to get it to here. And that guy just stands up and is like, you're all wrong. I've done the math kill this, kill this, this is what we have to do. And Ed Harris just has to make a decision in that moment of everybody's disagreeing, but nobody's giving an option. He's pretty damn convinced that this is the option. Like, And just the leadership that it takes to just like trust, like, you're really smart. Like, There's a reason you're here. And if you're the one person that's actually saying like, no, this is right, we gotta go with it because this, you know, it's life or death. Like, I just, I love that guy standing up and just having the confidence in that room of really smart people. Mm -hmm. uh, to just go for it. So those would be the two that I would highlight. Uh, Mike, do you have the script pulled up? Then you're just going to start on page one? or I'm just going to read you every line that Ed Harris says through the entire thing. Fantastic. Um, That's what I was going to do. So we can just bounce back and forth. You pick one, I'll pick one. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I had two in particular. I have. Please, we'll before, you, before you do that, Mike, please just like insert a line from The Rock just to throw me off. And I'll be like, wait, you know, he said that in this. Now, that's the game we should have played, Ethan. If we'd have come up with this before, we should have done uh, three Ed Harris lines and Brad yes. had to guess which one was from The Rock versus which was from here. Because the reality is that they are equally uh, great scripts in many ways and uh, equally great performances. So they, they often get confused, Brad. You're not the only one. Um, so I, I, will, uh, I had two that I really highlighted, right? Um, but the first one that I've got typed out here is, uh, from Ed Harris's Gene Kranz. I don't care about what anything was designed to do. I care about what it can do. And again, it's just that that leadership mentality he has, that approach of saying, guys, we've got to get outside the box here. 
you gotta you gotta stop because if we stay within the box one thing is certain they're all gonna die so that was my first one you want me to do my second one or would you like to, to... please by all means you you roll with it <laughs> all right uh, and it was very similar it was again in that mentality as you were just talking about with your favorite scene it says uh you know he says let's work the problem people let's not make things worse by guessing and just the again they just do such a great job with that character he delivers those lines with such a self-assuredness but it's not cocky as much as it is just confident um and and just an incredible role i see he was nominated for supporting actor and ended up losing to our uh our disgraced um friend kevin spacey for the usual suspects in this year it looks like yeah um and this was nominated for best picture and and lost to braveheart so at least losing to some well-known movies uh and roles in in that time period mike are you ready to watch brad have a have a reaction always this is better than braveheart i i agree I guess Brad, Brad will have to give us Braveheart when it comes back around for us to rewatch it to really rank it on there. I will say Braveheart when I was, you know, 25 to 30. I don't, I don't know when I first kind of fell in love with that movie, but like I I haven't watched it in a long time and it's probably not going to hold up as, as well. It's probably a lot like Gladiator for you, Ethan. Um, so I, I think we probably should rewatch that. But uh, off the top of my head, like... I think I enjoy uh, Braveheart more, um, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to nitpick that. You might, you might be right. Well, my favorite line, uh, I love both of what you said, Mike, and just kind of with his, I don't know, the determination of it. And it goes back to the scene I talked about, you know, he's drawn on the blackboard and he just calls them all out and, you're telling me you can give our guys 45 hours and he draws that mark that's well short of earth. Gentlemen, that's not acceptable. And I, I, I hate it in movies. This, I thought about this the other day. I, I, I hate it when movies do this. When there's a scene where someone goes, you know, hey, how much time do you need to get this working? Eh, about four hours. Okay, you have 30 minutes. Oh, okay. Th- yeah, we'll figure it out. Like that, what the hell? Like that. But in this case, in this scenario, because it's a true story, and, and he didn't say, like, you know, change reality. It's just what you're giving me is not acceptable. And there's an answer to this problem. And another great, you know, he says, stop guessing. Let's work the problem. Because that's what all these guys are. They're all thinkers. They're all smart. We have the ability. Everything is here in front of us. But you guys have to stop what you're doing right now because that's not acceptable. We're getting them here. Uh, and I, I just, again, I, every time stuff's going crazy, he just, nope. We're going to do this. Uh, the other line that I really loved, it's more of a funny one, uh, but when they're doing the math on the carbon dioxide and Bill Paxton says like, oh, I, I know what I did. I did it for two people. That's why it doesn't work out. And Kevin Bacon just, oh, I guess I can hold my breath because <laughs> he's not, you, 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 they don't want you to like him, right? He took Gary Sinise's place, but just the way that, you know, it's Kevin Bacon, the way he delivers those lines, I really enjoy. So Brad, did you have anything that stood out? Yeah, it's uh, the scene where uh, Kevin Bacon says something about they're all three losers, and then Tom Hanks says losers whine about you know doing their best, and I'm gonna get home because the prom queen's the prom queen is waiting on me. You know, I'll, yeah. I'm gonna I'll give the PG version of the line, but yeah, as when Tom Hanks delivered that, he had to get home to see his wife. So um, that that one uh, won the movie for me. 
Brett, I pulled. I'll put you on the spot. Just this, we'll just play this quick version of this game. With all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Apollo thirteen. Or the. Uh, oh man, um, that's uh, that's. I think the Rock. Mike. Oh no! It's a hundred percent Apollo thirteen. Yes. Brad does not know his iconic Harris <laughs> lines. It was Apollo thirteen. Hmm. Yeah, you got me on the first one. There, there are so many lines that he says in this movie that could, uh, you know, swing both ways. But that's not what we do on the show. We, you know, we just we like to stay focused on the movie at hand. Uh, so Apollo thirteen was our movie this week. Mike, thank you for picking that out and erasing the memory of algebra class my my sophomore year of high school and giving me uh something that i enjoyed uh we are done with the month of june everybody we're gonna roll into july uh and i don't know what we're watching next week do you, do you guys know what we're watching next week have we <laughs> i don't think we made that decision i think we have four movies we haven't decided the order for july so uh it, it's a dot 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 stay tuned uh I mean, I, I've been putting Brad on the spot all night. Brad, what are we watching next week? Armageddon. All right. We are oh, it's celebrating it's the 4th of Ethan. July with one of the most American movies of all time. That's right. Michael Bay is back, everybody. Armageddon. Bruce Willis. Only an American could save the planet if an asteroid is coming down to destroy it. No surprises here. I'm excited. I don't know if these guys are, but I'm fired up. We're going to do that next week. A whole different take on going up into outer space. And I almost guarantee they say Houston, you have no, they say it in a better way. We'll save it. There's a better way to say Houston, we have a problem. And only Bruce Willis could say it. That'll be next week. This week was Apollo 13. Thanks everybody for listening as always. Other than that, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan, and we'll see you next time.